Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. In my early days, I faced a pivotal moment in my career. Instead of following the herd into traditional finance, I charted my own course. Despite skepticism, I founded my investment firm driven by a belief in economic truth and fiscal responsibility. Through perseverance, I established myself as a leading voice in finance, proving that sometimes blazing your own path is the best way to succeed. To get what you want, sometimes you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. That's what Harry's did. Seeing people tricked by expensive razors, Harry's took a stand. Instead of pricey options, they offer high-quality razors at a fraction of the cost. That's why when it comes to grooming my face, I use Harry's. Harry's understands the value of quality without breaking the bank. Their razors provide a smooth shave every time, and their shaving gel leaves my skin feeling refreshed and moisturized. So don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com gold. That's harrys.com gold for a $3 trial set. The Peter Schiff Show. I'd like to thank True Niagen for supporting my podcast. True Niagen helps fuel the cell's energy engines, maintains cellular metabolism, and even supports a healthy heart in combination with a healthy lifestyle. And now you can save 10% on your first purchase at trueniagen.com Peter using the promo code Peter. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It may have been a Black Friday for retailers, but it was a black and blue Friday for investors who got beaten up pretty badly on Wall Street. Just about anything you owned was down on Friday. In fact, the Dow suffered its worst drop since April of 2020. And of course, back then we were in full COVID and everything was falling apart. And once again, the catalyst for yesterday's decline was a new COVID variant, this one coming out of Africa, most specifically South Africa, although I think there's some other countries. Botswana had a few cases, but South Africa seems to be the focal point. Last I read, maybe they had 100 cases. It's probably more by now. A lot of countries have already quarantined flights coming in from South Africa. No more flights allowed from that nation. They're trying to contain the spread. Actually, they also have a case in Hong Kong, and there's another case in Israel. Hong Kong and Israel, but that's the result of people traveling to those locations 
by plane from South Africa. So everybody is now clamping down. What's really concerning people about this new variant is the number of mutations, apparently far more mutations than we've seen with the original COVID or Delta. And this is what's got people concerned because they're not sure if the vaccines that are currently available will actually work given all the mutations of this variant. And if the vaccines aren't going to work, well, then what are we going to do? Go back into full lockdown until they can develop a brand new vaccine that'll work specifically with this variant. And then, of course, being fully vaccinated won't just mean getting three shots, but you'll also probably have to get a fourth shot and who knows how many boosters to protect yourself from this variant. And of course, who knows how many other variants are out there? I mean, certainly there could be more. And so the markets now, which thought they had COVID behind them, are now staring at another potential disaster. And that's why you got the big sell-off in global stock markets. It actually started in the Asian markets because the news spread on Thanksgiving evening. And then, of course, the baton was handed to the Europeans. The European markets actually got beaten up the most. U.S. not quite as bad. And the reason for that is because we have all these big tech stocks that are associated with the stay-at-home play because there are many companies that benefited from COVID. And once again, money was flowing into those stocks. It was the economically sensitive reopening type stocks that got hit the most. That's why the NASDAQ was only down 2%, whereas the Dow was down 2.5% because you don't have as many of the stay-at-home stocks in that index. The S&P was kind of in the middle, down 2.2%. Russell 2000 beaten up the most down 3.7%. That's more in line with what we saw in European markets, which seem to be down 4 or 5%. But if you factor in the euro being up 1%, the dollar declines in Europe were about the same as the US, maybe a little bit less than the NASDAQ and S&P, but not quite as bad as the Russell 2000 when you adjust for the exchange rate. But the stocks that did the worst Uh, The airlines, cruise ships, restaurants, anything cyclical, the financials, energy stocks, consumer discretionary, the stocks that held up, consumer staples, they held up a lot better. But there were some winners, stocks like Netflix, DocuSign, Peloton, Affirm. These names all had big gains. I guess investors are thinking back to the last time we had a big COVID collapse and those are the stocks that worked. And so they're piling into them again. But I really don't think Peloton or DocuSign, these companies were having a lot of trouble. They were coming out with bad earnings. I don't think all of a sudden everybody's going to load up on Peloton bikes again the way they did the first time. I think pretty much most of the people who wanted to lock down with a Peloton bike probably bought the bike during the first go-around. So I don't know how much pent-up demand there's left if we have to go back to a lockdown. I think a lot of this trading is just computer-driven. I mean, they already have a program, and they're just kind of reacting to it. My feeling is these rallies are probably likely good opportunities for people who haven't sold to get out and maybe some new opportunities for some new shorts uh, to come in and establish positions. I mentioned that the euro 
had a strong day. It was up about 1% against the dollar. This was, again, a very interesting aspect of what happened on Friday because we didn't get a flight to safety into the U.S. dollar. Where the safe haven flows were going were the Japanese yen and the Swiss franc and, to a lesser degree, the euro. The dollar was down about 1.7% against the Japanese yen. So that currency was the strongest currency on the day. Followed by the Swiss franc, the dollar dropped about 1.4% against the franc. And in fact, if you look at where uh, the market closed, the dollar pretty much settled on its lows against that currency. Same thing with the euro, where the dollar lost about 1%. So clearly, the dollar is not a safe haven or not the primary safe haven, given the fact that it was very weak against these other fiat currencies. Now, once upon a time, the world would have fleed to the dollar. You would have seen drops in the Japanese yen, the euro and the Swiss franc. Now, maybe those currencies would have gone down less than other currencies, but they would have all dropped in relation to the dollar because the dollar was the preeminent go-to safe haven currency. Clearly, the dollar has lost that status already to these other currencies, and that does not bode well for the dollar in the future. Now, other currencies were weaker against the dollar, but that means they were even weaker against the currencies against which the dollar fell, and those were generally currencies that are more economically sensitive, like commodity-related currencies, like the Australian dollar or the Canadian dollar, which dropped against the U.S. dollar. Speaking of commodities, the big loser on the day was crude oil. The price of oil dropped about $10 a barrel on Friday. That's a 13% decline. That is the fifth biggest one-day drop in the history of the oil market. Having traded above $85 a barrel just a few weeks ago, we're now at $68 per barrel. The oil market now looking at two potential problems. One would be a return to lockdown, which sees a big reduction in demand for oil because the airlines aren't going to be flying as much and people aren't going to be traveling And so they're not going to be using as much energy. But also now you've got the U.S. and other nations that are going to be unloading oil into the market from their strategic petroleum reserves. Now, when the reserves were going to hit an economy that was fully functioning, they were probably going to get absorbed by the market. But to the extent that we get another lockdown where people aren't using energy as much, then it could be very problematic short run for the market. Although long run, the oil market is going to shrug this off. And if anything, it's just going to make additional supply from the oil industry that much less likely to actually materialize because big drops like this scare the hell out of the oil industry and more importantly, out of the banks that may be required to lend money to the oil industry to make the necessary investments to produce oil for the future, these type of big drops make securing financing less likely. And it also makes investors less likely to take a risk because they're shell-shocked from these type of declines. But really, if you think about what happened in the market, to me, it represents a real overreaction. And that doesn't mean that the downside is over. I mean, we can certainly see more downside in the stock market. But think about the possible scenarios that might unfold with respect to this new 
COVID variant. Number one is it turns out to be a nothing burger, right? It's no big deal. I mean, nobody really knows if this particular variant is any more deadly than the variants we have. We know that COVID itself doesn't really represent a significant threat. People who get it, get over it. It's a threat to people who are older or who have other health issues that may complicate the body's ability to deal with COVID. But for the vast majority of people, especially younger people, it's no big deal. It's like the flu. And so there's no indication that this variant is any worse. You know, it's too early to know. But let's just say it turns out to be not a big deal. Obviously, it's an overreaction. And I would expect to see a pretty big recovery in oil prices, and in a lot of the stocks that really got hammered as a result of this news. But on the other end of the spectrum, let's assume the worst, right? That this is a horrible variant that's maybe even more contagious than what we've got now. And it's completely resistant to any of the vaccines that are currently on the market. And the whole world goes right back into lockdown, right? That is the other extreme. Well, what is going to happen if, that happens. Well, number one, the Federal Reserve is going to not only stop the tapering process that apparently just began, but it's probably going to have to ramp up the size of its QE program. After all, if the economy is going to implode once again, it's going to need more stimulus. I don't think the Fed simply saying we're going to maintain the stimulus we have now that ain't going to cut it, right? When you have a drug addiction, you build up a tolerance. And I don't think the Fed can really stimulate the economy again by maintaining the level of stimulus that is already in place. I mean, the markets kind of get used to that and expect that stimulus. So I don't think it really acts as a stimulus more than a crutch. And I think if we need another phony stimulus, the Fed is going to have to up the dosage. So we're going to have to go above and beyond the $120 billion a month. And who knows for how long that additional stimulus is going to be required. And so when we eventually start the taper process, if we do resume that process at some point, we're going to be tapering from a much bigger number than $120 billion. And since the Fed has already said that the first rate hike will not take place until the taper is complete, to the extent that the taper is delayed or, as I just said, reversed, and we ramp up QE to an even bigger number so that by the time we eventually restart the taper, we're not tapering from 120 billion, but maybe from 150 billion or 200 billion. What that does is that dramatically pushes back the first rate hike that we get from the Fed because the Fed has already made it clear rates are going nowhere until the Fed has completely tapered its QE program down to zero. And remember, the markets had already started to price in the first rate hike, I think, in June or July of 2022. And now they've got to price that out. And maybe that's also part of the reason that we already saw a decline in the dollar on Friday. It's simply not that the dollar no longer enjoys its safe haven status, but because investors are now thinking about the possibility that this is a game changer when it comes to taper or lift off on interest rates. In fact, we saw a big rise in bond prices and collapse in yield 
the yield on the 30-year dropped all the way down to 1.827. Remember, we were just above 2% the other day. And on the 10-year, back down below 1.5, we closed at one spot 482. So the market's now starting to price out a little bit of what they priced in. As a public person, I am hyper aware of safety and security. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online, and it makes sure it stays offline. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process, helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts will take it from there. Delete Me sends you regular personalized privacy reports showing what information they found, where they found it, and what they removed. Delete Me isn't just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information that you don't want on the internet. So take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom gold and use the promo code gold at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeletemecom slash gold and enter code gold at checkout. That's joindeletemecom slash gold, code gold. We all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com gold today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot gold. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park But again, they just don't get it because if we do go into another lockdown and we have to increase the size of the stimulus, I think the impact on consumer prices is going to be far more immediate 
than it was before. You know, a lot of people just assume, well, if we have another lockdown, that that's going to somehow diffuse this inflation bomb. After all, look at oil prices, right? They've already dropped by 10 bucks a barrel. And so this shows that COVID lockdown may be the cure that we need for inflation. And of course, it may get the Fed out of jail and they no longer have to worry about it because COVID came and saved them. It's not going to happen. Because if you remember, when we went into lockdown the first time, the trailing CPI numbers were much lower than they are today. And we still had a lot of supply in the pipeline from the normal times that preceded the lockdown. So even though people stopped working and stopped producing, we still had a lot of stuff that was in inventory that was ready to ship out that had been produced in the past. But we're not in that situation right now. We're just coming back from the lockdown period. We don't have the ample supply chain that we had when COVID hit the first time. Meanwhile, we've already got all this money that has just been printed. We didn't have that going into the first round of lockdowns. So if we lock down again, it's not like prices are going to collapse. They're going to keep going up. In fact, they're going to go up even more. Now, yes, some prices may come down or probably will. If we lock down again, yes, I guess airline tickets will fall in price again because people aren't going to be flying. And I guess restaurants are going to shut down again. And maybe if any remained open, maybe uh, the prices will be lower if nobody is going. I don't know. But for most stuff, the prices are going to keep going up. In fact, if people lock down again, and if that happens, of course, what's going to happen? More stimulus checks are going to be on the way. We're probably going to come back with extended and enhanced unemployment benefits again. After all, if we order people back home, well, we already have a playbook for what to do. We load them up with cash and that's what's going to happen. And so they're going to take all that cash and they're going to spend it, except now they're going to be spending cash when the supply of stuff to buy is even lower than it was the last time. So if we go back into full lockdown mode again and we do more stimulus, more money printing, the impact on prices is going to be far greater and far more immediate the second time than it was the first time. And so all of this may end up being bullish for the very stocks that were sold today. And in particular, the gold stocks, because gold stocks and silver stocks got hit just as hard and some of them even harder than the overall market averages. Although there were some gold stocks that managed to eke out gains on the day. Newmont Mining, I think, was the biggest gainer I saw, but it wasn't even up by 1%. In fact, gold itself, early on, gold rose with other safe havens uh, like the Swiss franc and the Japanese yen and the euro. In fact, early in the morning, gold was the strongest. Gold was up about one and a quarter, 1.3%. And that was more than the gain at that time of the Japanese yen or the Swiss franc. But traders came out immediately and sold into the gold rally. Of course, everybody is looking for gold rallies to sell. And gold actually went negative on the day for a while. I think by the time we closed, gold managed to eke out about a 2 or $3 gain, but ended up closing back below 1800 I think about 1792 But if you think about the two scenarios that I just mentioned, they are very bullish for gold. 
I mean, gold stocks should have been rallying. And in fact, the gold stocks had the biggest initial rally off those COVID lows, right? Once the Fed came in, it was March 23rd on my birthday of 2020 and just came in, you know, with guns ablazing and 0% rates and QE infinity, right? Gold, after like an initial decline on the announcement, which was crazy, and the gold stocks went down, it was a huge reversal. And then they didn't look back and gold stocks made a much bigger rally off those lows much faster than the overall market. And I would imagine that the same thing would happen again if we went back to QE or not back to QE because we never left QE, but if we ramped up QE instead of tapered it, and if we basically push back lift off on interest rates to some year well beyond 2022, I think the immediate and biggest beneficiary would be gold and then the gold mining stocks. So the fact that they went down makes absolutely no sense because Either scenario, I think, ends up being bullish for gold and gold mining stocks. True Niagen helps fuel the cell's energy engines, maintains cellular metabolism, and even supports a healthy heart in combination with a healthy lifestyle. With 13 published human clinical studies and backed by Nobel Prize winners, True Niagen is a supplement that's clinically proven to boost NAD levels, an essential coenzyme required for cellular energy and repair. You know, some days are a real struggle, but with True Niagen, you may be able to reduce the number. True Niagen can give you more resilience and it may help your muscles recover quicker. And right now you can save 10% on your first purchase at trueniagen.com Peter with the promo code Peter. That's True Niagen. T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N dot com slash Peter and use the promo code Peter to save 10% off on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's amazing though to me how few investors are really stopping to think this through and understand the predicament that the Federal Reserve is going to be in. Because imagine if this is another relapse into lockdowns, that this new variant is like a game changer. It's like we're back to zero. We're starting all over again. We've got no vaccines. We're back to square one. And so everybody is locking down and everybody is in quarantine and nobody can travel, right? We go right back to where we were in early 2020, except we've already got 6% official inflation in the rearview mirror. We've got this huge pipeline of inflation coming. We've just flooded the economy with money. And now we're going to try to do it all over again. The inflation genie is already out of the bottle, right? And now it's going to get so much worse. Is the Fed going to call off the stimulus given how much inflation we already have? Is the Federal Reserve going to tell Congress and tell the American public we bailed everybody out the first time, but that's when inflation was still below 2%. Now that it's at 6% and we have to fight inflation, everybody's on their own, right? Don't look to the Fed for a bailout. So we can't have any stimulus. You can't have all these benefits for the unemployed because there's just no money. You need to actually allow a recession. People, if they lose their jobs, they're just going to have to stop spending And if that means that we go into a severe recession and the stock market crashes, our hands are tied here at the Fed. We can't do anything about it because, you know, we got to deal with inflation. That's the other half of our mandate. 
We have to continue with the taper. We have to eventually start raising rates. So you're on your own, Congress. You got to fix this on your own because the Fed is basically on the sidelines. I don't think there's any chance that the Fed is going to do anything like that. I think when it comes down to fighting inflation or rescuing the stock market, rescuing the economy, bailing everybody out, inflation is going to take a back seat. I mean, the Fed is going to sacrifice that mandate in order to pursue its other mandates on the economy and employment, which it somehow views as more important. And I think if the Fed concludes that, you know, inflation is just the price we have to pay to avoid an economic meltdown or a financial crisis, then we're going to have to pay it. I mean, does anybody actually think the Federal Reserve is going to pick the inflation hill to die on? The Fed's going to say, you know what? We're going to keep inflation down and we don't care what happens, right? This is our battle and we're going to fight it. No, there's no way they're going to do that. There's no indication that anybody at the Fed has any kind of stomach for that or even believes that that's the right policy prescription. These guys actually think that they can save the economy by printing money, by artificially manipulating interest rates. They think that's their job. So they are waiting for any signs of renewed economic weakness in order to crank these presses back up. In fact, the only chance to the extent that you even think there was a chance for the Fed to fight inflation, it rested on the COVID battle being over. I mean, any kind of relapse to the extent that the world needed more economic stimulus, then the Fed's inflation fighting hands are tied behind their back, assuming the Fed was even going to take its inflation fighting hands out of its pocket, which is something that I thought was a bluff anyway. But the extent that we're staring at a renewed COVID threat and more lockdowns and shutting the economies down again, then the threat is completely removed. There is no way the Fed is going to do anything to fight inflation when those are the stakes. And it's not going to simply view the economy, the markets, the government as collateral damage. I mean, if there is a new threat, if the economy has to shut down, there is going to be a huge new fiscal stimulus, in addition to what's just been passed for the infrastructure. In fact, it'll probably act as a catalyst to not only get this new Build Back Better bill passed, but they'll probably have to increase what's there. We'll probably have to have additional spending to the extent that we have to lock down again because we have this new threat. So regardless whether or not it's a nothing burger or a nuclear explosion, right? Either way, I think this is very good for gold and silver, very good for mining stocks. There's no reason that they should have sold off. I mean, yes, gold and silver mining stocks sold off in the early days of COVID the first time because, again, people didn't understand how the government was going to respond. But once they saw the response, gold prices soared. Gold and silver stocks were the biggest movers. So we already know what the response is going to be. And we already know how gold and silver stocks reacted the last time. So why wouldn't they want it again? In fact, one of the reasons that we got the big sell-off in the stock market because of COVID was because nobody understood 
what the response was going to be. Well, now that we know, if we know that COVID-1 ended up being good for the stock market because it led to easier monetary policies and more inflation, why would the next round of COVID be any different? If it's going to have the same policy prescription, which of course it's going to have, it should have the same effect. Again, the main difference is going to be what happens to consumer prices because we already have so much inflation in the pipeline from what we did before that we're simply going to add to it. So unlike being a mitigating factor, I think the markets initially, the reaction is that, okay, this is going to help. If we have to lock down the economies, that's going to mitigate the inflation that we have. No, it's actually going to augment it. It's going to exacerbate the problem because it's going to accelerate the money printing and it's going to push back in time any potential tapering or rate hikes that could act as a break on inflation, right? That has been postponed. And so now the inflation problem is going to get even worse. So it's not like we dodged a bullet on inflation now and all we have to do is worry about COVID. Now we have to worry about inflation even more because we have an even bigger COVID threat. Now, the one asset that was billed as a safe haven, as a store of value that did not rise as a result of the turmoil was Bitcoin. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In fact, Bitcoin once again proved that it is the riskiest of the risk assets because Bitcoin prices were down 7 or 8% on the day, right? That far exceeds anything other than oil. I mean, oil was down about 10%, so oil was worse than Bitcoin, but certainly Bitcoin did a lot worse 
than any of the stock markets. And it didn't act at all like a safe haven or a store of value because investors dumped Bitcoin. They bought the Swiss franc. They bought the Japanese yen. They bought the euro. They bought U.S. treasuries. I mean, even though I don't personally think of the U.S. treasury market as a safe haven, some people look at it as a safe haven and it acted as a safe haven on Friday. But Bitcoin acted nothing like a safe haven. People were dumping Bitcoin as aggressively as they were dumping any other risk asset, which again proves that Bitcoin is neither a safe haven nor a store of value. It is a highly speculative risk asset. And when you see that the most, and it's the most clear, is on a day like Friday, when everybody is clearly going risk off and they're selling whatever is risky and they're buying whatever is safe. Contrast the way Bitcoin reacted to the way gold reacted. Gold was initially up $20 early in the morning. People bought it as a safe haven. And despite the fact that there were traders who sold into that rally, gold still ended up positive a few bucks. And of course, if you look at the price of gold in relation to other assets, if stocks are down 2 or 3%, but the price of gold is unchanged, then gold represented a safe haven. It represented a store of value because it held its value relative to the decline in value that we saw in other assets, but not Bitcoin. Bitcoin lost more value than those other assets. So what store of value, what safe haven did Bitcoin provide on Friday? None. In fact, I was listening on CNBC. They had the ultimate in spin when they were trying to justify Bitcoin as a safe haven. Remember, I pointed out on my Thanksgiving podcast that CNBC spent the entire evening before Thanksgiving, Wednesday night, on crypto in America, just trying to pump Bitcoin and other cryptos to make sure their audience loaded up on Bitcoin for the holidays. The announcers obviously are shell-shocked when their favorite safe haven store of value is down 8%. So instead of admitting that, hey, there's a problem here, maybe this is not the safe haven we thought it was, they tried to spin it as if it was a safe haven because they compared the loss in Bitcoin to the greater losses in altcoins, right? Because some of these coins were down 9 or 10% and Bitcoin was only down 8%. So it represented a relative safe haven within the asset group of cryptocurrencies, which to me is quite a stretch at a minimum. I mean, obviously, just because Bitcoin is less risky than altcoins doesn't mean it's safe. If it's down 8% and other altcoins are down 9 or 10%, they're all risky, even if Bitcoin is less risky than some of the other coins. But that's only the way it is today. Fundamentally, I don't think Bitcoin is any less risky than any of the other coins. I don't think any of these coins have any real value. I think they're ultimately all going to zero. Maybe Bitcoin will get there a little slower than some of these altcoins, but that doesn't change the nature of what Bitcoin is, a highly speculative asset. In fact, it is now in a bear market. Bitcoin was as high as about 69,000 last month or whenever it was, and the low I saw yesterday and probably it got down there again this morning but i think 53,700 ish is about where i saw it i mean most of the time it's been trading above 
54,000. As I'm recording this podcast on Saturday early afternoon, it's just about 55,000 even. And so that's about the high. Maybe it's been a little higher since it went down below 54,000. But the decline from 69,000 to 54,000 represents about 22% drop, which puts Bitcoin back into bear market territory. Now, I know, I mean, 20% declines are far more common in Bitcoin than, let's say, a stock market average. So Bitcoin has a lot of these mini bear markets. We'll see if it turns into something more substantial over the course of time, because if it simply rallies back again, I think most of your seasoned Bitcoin hodlers, you know, they'll take a 20% drop in stride. This is par for the Bitcoin course, but we'll see how some of the more recent buyers react. I mean, I heard a statistic, I think 15% of all the Bitcoin wallets or all the people that have Bitcoin now have an entry price above 60,000. So we'll see how these people feel as they're increasingly underwater. You know, speaking about being underwater, both of the Bitcoin future ETFs, and these just came out recently, they're now in bear market territory. They're now about 23% below their highs. And that was just two, three weeks ago. These ETFs put in their highs and now over shorter than a three-week time period, they're now in bear markets down 23%. So anybody who bought into these ETFs thinking they were buying a safe haven or a store of value or just a hedge against inflation, they may be a bit shell-shocked to be down in bear market territory so soon after buying their safe haven investment. And we'll see what happens if we get another leg down. Of course, everybody is trying to demonstrate their resolve. In fact, the president of El Salvador tweeted out that El Salvador bought the dip. They scooped up another 100 Bitcoin at a bargain price. I don't know what they paid. Let's say they paid uh, 54, 55,000, something like that, which is about what, five and a half million more dollars down the drain uh, for people who really can't afford to flush dollars down the drain in El Salvador a relatively poor country that is really being taken for a ride in Bitcoin. But I think one of the reasons that they want to be very vocal about the fact that they bought the dip is they want to show uh, their support, their confidence, because they're trying to send out a message to everybody else. Hey, El Salvador is buying, so don't worry, right? Don't sell, keep on hodling, buy more, buy the dip. We're all going to hold strong, right? Because the whole community has to come together in solidarity with each other and refuse to sell and talk the market up because it's all a bunch of hype. That's all it is. Everybody has to stand together because that's the only thing keeping this thing from collapsing. But think about this, all you hodlers out there who are willing to sacrifice yourselves and go down with the ship and are going to hold strong. Somebody is selling. Think about who that is and why. Because it's the smart money that is selling their Bitcoin, right? It's the dumb money that's holding strong and buying these dips. I'm sure a lot of Bitcoin speculators loaded up on Bitcoin ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday in anticipation of the now Bitcoin tradition 
of bragging to your family members about how much money you made on Bitcoin between last Thanksgiving and this Thanksgiving. And of course, a lot of the family members end up getting suckered in. Maybe some of them were a little too nervous to buy last Thanksgiving, but hey, it's gone up so much in the last year, they can't resist. Now they have to get in on the action. And so a lot of people wanted to front run all that buying. Everybody was talking about how Thanksgiving was going to be very bullish for Bitcoin because so many new people were going to get introduced to it and buy it, the network effect. And so people bought in advance in order to take advantage of that. You buy in anticipation of an event so that you can take profits when the event actually happens. But of course, that means instead of buying, you end up getting a lot of selling when the people who bought in anticipation of an event try to cash out on the event. Except this time, the market tanked following Thanksgiving thanks to the sell-off in risk assets. And so instead of profiting from their pre-Thanksgiving buys, Bitcoin speculators ended up getting roasted. So again, if you're looking to speculate, my choice is the mining stocks. If you want to buy a dip in something, buy the dip in those stocks. That's where I think the big speculative gains are. I think the name of the game, though, is to be diversified, especially when you're getting into the junior mining space. That's why I'm recommending that people use a professional. The Euro-Pacific Gold Fund, I think, is the best way to go. That's my fund managed by Adrian Day. So I think if you want to wade into the gold and silver mining space, particularly gold mining, the Euro-Pacific Gold Fund is the way to go. EPGFX is the symbol for one of the share classes. There are others. You can look them up. You can buy the funds directly off of my website at Euro-Pacific Funds at epacfunds, epacfunds.com. You can go directly to my website. You can buy the funds. You can also buy through your discount brokerage account, Schwab, Fidelity, a number of different companies have my funds on their platform. Of course, you can contact my representatives at Euro-Pacific Capital, Europac.com or your Pacific Asset Management. We can get you into the funds. If you have more money to invest, we have a separately managed account program. Adrian Day also manages that program where you can have your own account with individual stocks. You wouldn't be part of a mutual fund. We would just manage a portfolio of individual stocks for you in the mining space And to the extent that this dip gets any bigger, I think this is going to be another great opportunity. Maybe not quite as great as the last buying opportunity because I don't believe the COVID-related sell-off will be nearly as deep or last as long as the last one. But I think while the sale is on, you want to take advantage of it. Also, you know, another sale that I want to tell people about is one that is going on at Mene.com. Now that the holidays are upon us and people are thinking about buying gifts for their friends and loved ones, there's nothing like giving the gift of gold. But rather than giving somebody just a gold coin, why not give them some gold jewelry? And normally when you're giving somebody gold jewelry, you're not actually giving them a lot of gold. Because maybe if you pay you know, $1,000 for a bracelet or a necklace or something, maybe you got $100 worth of gold. So you're not really giving gold so much as giving jewelry because the price of gold would have to 10x for the recipient to be able to melt the jewelry down to recover what you paid. But the beauty about Mene is that 
the markups are maybe 20 or 30 percent above the melt value of the metal, which means that a 20 or 30 percent move up in the price of gold is all one would need to be able to fully recover the cost of their jewelry to the extent that they actually needed to sell it. So it's not the greatest way to buy gold, but it is without a doubt the best way to buy jewelry. And perhaps the best part is that Monet Jewelry is a perfect example of the utility and the use case for gold, something that Bitcoin does not have. You can make beautiful jewelry out of gold. You can't make anything out of Bitcoin. And in fact, if you've never seen jewelry that is made of pure 24 karat gold, you're in for quite a treat when you see this. You know, my wife has a lot of Mene jewelry. It's her favorite jewelry. She wears it out a lot. And there's nothing like the reaction that people have when they see it for the first time. And I've never been out with my wife when she didn't get tremendous compliments on her Mene jewelry. She's always giving out the website. And once people see my wife wearing the jewelry, they end up ordering it for themselves. So I think it's a fantastic Christmas Hanukkah present. So go to Mene.com M-E-N-E.com and use the promo code SHIF. And if you do that, you'll get 5% off on your order, which is a big deal when you're talking about buying gold jewelry, 24 karat jewelry. So you'll save 5% using that promo code on anything that you buy on the website. And the deal ends on December 2nd. So between now and then, if you go to Mene.com, M-E-N-E, Dot com and use the promo code SHIFT, you'll get 5% off any product on their site. Anyway, that's it for today's podcast. I hope everybody will enjoy the rest of their holiday weekend. The markets, of course, will reopen Sunday night, our time. It'll be very interesting to see what type of follow-through we get to Friday's action. Of course, some of that may depend on the type of news that comes out over the weekend on this new COVID variant. But regardless of what happens, you can rest assured I will be back with more podcasts to cover the action on Wall Street and also to explain the implications for the economy and your investments. (music) 